Hey, it's Ronnie Gibson again and Randy Gibson. This is Short Life Advice. It's been a little while since we've had a podcast. I've been doing some internal podcasts at Schneider. Um, I'm not allowed to bring on guests from inside Schneider to the public. That's why you haven't heard from me. But I've been doing some internal ones. Today we have a new topic. If you remember the last topic, it was... Infertility. Mm-hmm. It's all about infertility. We thought that was a, a topic everyone, even ourselves, could learn more about. So we dug in there. Today's topic is called From the Inside Out. And what from the inside out means is we've noticed a lot in society and just with our even with ourselves, it just there's a there's a mindset of every Everyone, even even myself, is always looking, when something happens to me, I'm always looking for an external cause of whatever's going on in my life, whatever happened. Uh, so that's kind of what the topic is about. I, I, I see where it was a problem early on in my life, and it causes a lot of unnecessary turmoil in our skulls, in our head. So that's what we want to dig in here for... 20, 30 minutes and just share our thoughts and what we've read through books and just our own experience in life. And the reason it's named from the inside out is because we believe as we've found ancient philosophers and a lot of uh, spiritual gurus and personal development gurus that the, the path is inside out even if you can find an external cause. So I wanted to share one quote from Marcus Aurelius, Roman emperor many thousands of years ago, said, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this, and you will find strength. That's powerful, powerful philosophy, and what's more powerful about that is he's just writing writing it to himself. He wasn't writing it to anyone else. It was a philosophy for himself to follow. Mm -hmm. There's... That, that quote is just very, very powerful. Not only does it say that this is a problem that's been going on since mankind you know, has started writing down thoughts way back with the Greeks and even before then, you see it in a lot of religions the same way. Everyone's trying to... Everyone sees themselves and their peers and family and friends going down this path of where they're trying to go from the outside in like everything else is the problem before they look in internal first and then that's that's where you get caught up in this thing so Marcus Aurelius was saying it almost 2000 years ago and it's been said time and time again and what really what 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 I've seen recently in society is just with the social media prominence of social media and everyone being online there's and you see it a lot i've seen this article headlines where speech has been determined harmful just someone's words someone's offended or even harmed by it somehow harmed by something someone said or did that has nothing to do with them now, whether whatever they did was 
could be harmful if it was directed like no speech i don't care what it is it shouldn't get to a point where it's harmful to you and and one of the other quotes i really enjoy was from another stoic philosopher epictetus and he says if someone succeeds in provoking you realize that your mind is complicit in the provocation so anytime that that sticks with me all the time. Anytime someone does something, or I'm out driving my car, or I read something online, and I see something I don't agree with, or someone say something that really irks me, that I try and bring that quote up in my head every single time, because anything I do from that point on is only gonna create more turmoil for myself. Usually my thoughts start ruminating on how to respond, in my own head, that's all a waste of time. I'm just stressing myself out for no reason, and I probably wouldn't have a conversation with the person. And if you could start to practice this type of philosophy, it's always gonna make you feel better internally and even externally, because face, let's face it, this, all this stuff externally is out of our control. The only thing that's in our control is the internal in here and what we do from the inside out. I think that's a the most important lesson is that uh, is that the external world isn't controllable, and we're always trying to control it. Uh, so when when we're trying to protect someone from some external adversity, some external problem, words, st structures, uh, tyrants, etc. Like there's there's definitely room for it. We need to if, if someone is in is in harm, an abusive person, if someone's in harm, we should definitely try to try to help. But most circumstances don't get that and aren't that extreme, and the path forward is to n not allow yourself internally to get to react to something external and it's easier said than done because every time a road rage incident happens to me i was driving in chicago recently probably a month ago and i was just at i stopped at the stoplight and i'm partially colorblind and and so i couldn't tell the sun was hitting the the stoplight and I couldn't tell if it was green or red and so I couldn't really see it and then someone and then I then I realized that like the cars beside me were flying by and this person was pissed off sped around me about four cars behind in the right turn lane looked at me and by the time like I, he was coming around I was like okay I started turning and so then he slammed on his brakes cussing honking then as i turned he pulled up and was like right on my bumper and so then i was starting to get irritated and then we pulled up a stoplight and then i was at, at it was all building up and it happened so fast that i was you know i was cussing myself thoughts about fighting this person the random person <laughs> uh they pull up beside me and you know, doing more hand gestures and, and then sped away really quickly. And then I remember laughing in the car to myself because I'm thinking, 
my brain came to this conclusion that I'm going to fight this random person because it, it was my fault. Not only like this person getting furious over over something this small, and that I think road rage is just a great example of of this concept. Where my cortisol levels got shot up. Uh, I had to calm down for probably five minutes after this, and then I remember telling the story to my wife and then others as well. So it definitely had an effect on me, and and that's I think a good illustration of why this philosophy is like worth following uh you know one of the another quote by one of these ancient greek philosophers he says epictetus said any person capable of angering you becomes your master they can anger you only when you permit yourself to be disturbed by them i wish i would, would have followed that philosophy that day when I was in the car and you take that day in the car you take that road rage incident and you take it to everything so you have your sports team and someone says your sports team sucks or you know your quarterback on your sports team sucks this is an identity you've formed around yourself and you are trying to protect your this identity and you you can't you cannot protect yourself from these these outside events like that it's impossible they're always going to happen because even when you do protect your self on that one instance say say you're on twitter and this person's providing hate speech to me calling me a cracker whatever you know call me names and it's like all right let's get him banned all right now i'm safe I, I, i'm safe from the bully but there's always going to be another one we have eight billion people on this planet something you're gonna there's gonna be some other external thing that you can't control you don't know where it's at same way as weather you can't control weather so it's, it's a similar type of thing so i had a, another instance i had a similar instance recently a couple months ago and uh, road rage someone pulled up cut me off and and wouldn't let me in uh, clearly cut me off and wouldn't let me in and I got so fired up because they were clearly in the wrong but still it doesn't even matter if someone's in the wrong but I still got to the point where I rolled down my window and yelled asshole <laughs> and <laughs> those are the <laughs> but then you always see those crazy stories of road rage where that one person yells and the next thing you know that other person's getting out of the car trying to fight them or has some sort of weapon and mm -hmm. is trying to attack you know, and then there would have been nothing I could have done. I'd have just hid in my car and rolled up my window, or you know, mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to fight this lunatic. Mm -hmm. So it's just, so it, it's something. Road rage is definitely something you could practice every day, especially if you drive to work every day, or even taking the train. I take the train in to work every day. You can practice it there. There's always someone annoying you or whatever or you're barely missing the train and it's and you're blaming it on the cta person or whatever you know rather than your own self not getting up earlier mm -hmm. or whatever it is but it's like what this philosophy philosophy is about is trying to you're trying to practice what you preach every single day to get better at it and better at it and the more you do and the more you notice it in yourself and catch yourself before you actually yell out asshole or some of these other all right we're back so ronnie was just discussing like 
practicing what you preach is a process and a process of failure and one of the important things about philosophy and why we reiterated the the term philosophy when most of us think about it we think about a lecture hall or our high school class that we hated and it's much different than that there's a quote that best articulates it it goes philosophy is a conversation between your current self and a future self that has reached their full potential and you know one of the things that Bertrand Russell who wrote a book called the history of western philosophy said the chief thing that philosophy in our age can still do for those who study it is to teach people how to live without certainty um, and, and and without being paralyzed by hesitation. Uh, so like in a world for fil filled of un uncertainty like external things disrupting us, we need philosophy to, to, to kind of mitigate the, those issues and face the world i guess and face like the problems that that come so i think that's why it's important and it's probably why i think these like, ancient philosophers quotes last till today because there's some deep truth with them and we all could we all could get better by um by following them i was when i was breaking down this this topic it actually came up in a in a a parent like a children book this book called self-confident baby this woman dr pickler had this philosophy um and I'll, I'll just share a quote that she's explained the same philosophy but for babies for infants for children mm. and she says that uh the, the philosophy maintains that in in learning new tasks and finding their own solutions children's children uh, to situations in everyday life, for example, like fitting an object in a box, climbing onto a new piece of equipment, resolving disputes over toys. Children are self-rewarded, learning internal war rewards as opposed to external ones. This leads to self-confidence, which carries on later into life. And so, like one of the one of the things that mm. I think is important is like is us getting through these external problems. So like we can protect ourselves from these external problems and we could stay home and never face any of these issues. Uh, but the growth that's, that actually stagnates growth. And what, what we need to do in order to grow as people and as humans and as civilization is to go out, is to walk outside arm ourselves with philosophy and get through all of the external obstacles that are out outside and it starts with children you you can help your child climb onto the, the the little chair or help your child to walk or help your child to climb up in a tree but the best path that's for them to grow is to let them do it and just be there for encouragement mm -hmm. Because if you don't, if you're not practicing this philosophy at an early age or you're, you're trying to uh, prevent all these external things from happening and you're not going through this adversity and growing from it and, and, uh, 
and, and developing, the Greeks called it an inner, cit- inner citadel. And it's like the more adversity you go through, the stronger your inner citadel gets for when a, for when a future external event is going to come that's going to cause a lot of turmoil. And that's, that's the reason a lot of you know, the Greeks and a lot of these religions will, will practice this type of mindset is because they know in the future something is going to happen that's going to cause them so much turmoil that they're not going to be handle it. You know, think a death in the family of a close one, your wife, your mother, father, your children. I mean, a lot of these, Marcus Aurelius, I think, had, we quoted him earlier, I think he had five or seven children die before age one or something, just absurd crazy. And you see it sometimes. And so, like, that's what practice in this philosophy is preparing you for the worst and the worst may just be your own death that you have to eventually that we're all going to have to face at some point but if that's all it's preparing you for then that's a pretty damn good thing to prepare you for because a lot of us aren't going to be able to handle it because we aren't you know we as a society we are getting softer and softer and softer and if you don't practice a a similar type of mindset like this where you're or you, you're acting as this uh, archetypal, archetypical, you know, ar- the mother archetype. I think you have a quote. What was the, the quote about a mother? Yeah, the uh, overbearing mother. Yeah, the there's this mother archetype, and it's and it's an archetype because it's not necessarily always just mothers who are doing this. But um, Sigmund Freud said the good mother necessarily fails, and that's a deep psychological point he's making and it's it's about this philosophy that if you protect over protection of your child or yourself or other people or other people in society could hurt them it's a weird paradox um but it makes sense it's like when you watch Step Brothers and Will Ferrell's in his basement until he's 40 years old and can't do anything for himself and 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 he it's not good for that that child so you don't want your 40 year old being in the basement all right we're back as i was just saying 40 year old living in the basement ronnie's son just woke up and 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 uh, so that's that's a good um, segue here. But the, the quote that, that started us off was Sigmund Freud, the good mother necessarily fails. And what that means is that the mother, by the mother failing to protect their child, the child grows and becomes a grown man that is able to face all of the adversities and challenges that the world brings. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's an interesting, deep, thought-provoking concept. And, you know, you and I, had, I'm looking at Ronnie, you and I had just read this book called The Boy Crisis, and it talks about a lot of the challenges that our boys are facing in society today high suicide rates, incarceration rates, etc., um, and falling much farther behind girls. And one of the reasons for that is is that 
this mother father um there isn't an intact mother family for for these boys and it hurts boys more than it does girls and so the interesting thing about the overprotective mother quote is that the father or the father archetype like it doesn't have to be a mother and a father it could be a a a female and male archetype a gay couple lesbian couple whatever couple uh, that has someone they're trying to protect. There's always a balance. There's always a yin and a yang between them both. Traditionally, it's been a, mo- a mother and a father. The father would be the one that's more aggressive and allowing them to climb the tree, and the mother would be more protecting. And you need that balance mm-hmm. uh, of protection. And so I think like utilizing that philosophy throughout society we've been too imbalanced towards the mother archetype Mm -hmm. and so like one of the things that pops up a lot of times now is we have these safe spaces and we have things like microaggressions we have to be on the lookout for microaggressions and that is the antithesis of of this philosophy now of course, there's a balance. There's extremes to this. And and yes, you need a safe space if you are in this tyrannical world um, where there's no safe spaces. But I would argue that in a place that you can create safe spaces is not is, is a place that is pretty free in, a, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but what came to mind... I mean, you see this everywhere. You, you, there's this thing called the hygiene hypothesis, hygiene hi- hypothesis, where if you have too much hygiene, you it, it, you end up it, it ends up being a problem because essentially what the mother is protecting the kid too much of of cleaning off everything, not letting him get in the dirt, and or you know not letting him let the dog lick him on the face, and but then this the hygiene hypothesis it's it's like this overprotective mother archetype where you're just overprotective overprotective and then they're not developing developing that resiliency against viruses and disease and bacteria that they would normally as a kid so then you grow up later in life not having that protection and end up suffering a lot more and and it's a very very similar type Mm. of uh thing here and it's like there's a lot of studies where it shows having a dog in the house kids have like 30 or 40 percent less asthma and and Mm. all these other different types of allergies allergies yeah and all all these things because the dog's bringing in dirt it's bringing in the natural world that we're not experiencing on a daily basis and if you overprotect that's what it reminds me about is that the hygiene mm. hypothesis type thing yeah that's uh mother nature is a good example constantly over and over and over that's one of them another one is the hormetic effect or hormesis is is the temporary pain has like lasting benefits so you have like fruits and be- fruits and vegetables they have these phytochemicals Mm. Um, that play a very important role in dissuading insects 
and other pests, but these are the same phytochemicals uh, that are so beneficial to humans. They, they actually induce a mild stress response in humans, but the stress response uh, kind of kicks off a, a bunch of beneficial cellular pathways like antioxidants, enzymes, and protective like proteins mm-hmm. and, and protects us from it. And, you know, the whole, it's, it's the same thing with evolution as well, another part of, of nature where you take someone like the gazelle and the cheetah or the gazelle and the lion and like the lion has to chase after and exude all its energy all its strength and all its stamina to to try to feed itself or it's going to die or feed its young or they're going to die and but then on the other side of the of it you have the gazelle who is has all this dexterity isn't as fast as the cheetah but can like move and, and bounce from side to side and and they have to exude all their energy to so the cheetah gets tired enough so they could flee and get back to their young and, and prosper themselves. And it's like those adversities in a mutually beneficial way make both species stronger, but there's also when one of them gets caught, it's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for, for us to see that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also that's it's just facts of life that's that's one of the things is that we have to keep repeating is is suffering is inevitable and so but if 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 we take that as a fact there's going to be there's never going to be a utopia of of perfection um anytime that someone says tries to create one of those it ends up being into a a massacre of, of all humans Think Jim Jones and, and, and cults. Think totalitarian regimes and, and, and Russia and, and every other totalitarian communism regime. Utopia is is what is pronounced. These philosophies of, of overprotection and we're going to take care of everyone and no one's going to get hurt ends up being the opposite is what happens because the fabric of human nature, the fabric fabric of nature suffering is always inevitable and so we have to protect ourselves and that's another reason how you know beyond these ancient greek philosophers like look to nature and it's you know the philosophy is there as well mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned microaggression microaggressions and and safe spaces there is this one thing that really hit me and i f- felt terrible for this person they, the, someone showed me a tiktok and this lady was talking about um, someone pronouncing her name wrong and uh, it, it was a very unique name hard to pronounce but they went into this ordeal how people pronounce it wrong and and uh, you know always have to repeat themselves and, and, and all this thing and she was crying and pr- probably dealing with it for most of her childhood maybe even got made fun of early in her life but like I could tell like she was going throughout her life looking for someone that's messing up her name and so she could correct them. You know, you see this with a lot of people. You identify uh, almost too much with your name or or your football team or something. And, and, you, and it's almost like you're looking for some external thing 
to set you off and it's like you have to try to remove that self-identity with these things to to not um because I think what a lot of this comes back down to is, to me at least, is a lot of times all of us are running on autopilot to our minds. We're like slaves to our thoughts and minds. Like we don't even really, we don't even think twice about it. Just our minds run on autopilot and then something happens, our thought comes on our head, scream this at that guy who just pulled out in front of you or... Um, do this, do that. Your significant other. I'm sure you're getting little tits and tats oh, with your significant other all the time. They say something that offends your, your your sensitive little ego, and then a thought comes up in your head, and you want to take a slight little jab at them as well. And sometimes you do it, and it just creates more issues. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to that. For me, that's what helped me the most is trying is understanding way back that. The voice in my head isn't me, and then, and then that's where I think you can really start to think about this philosophy, because if you realize that, then it's like okay, every thought in my head isn't me. So then, when that thought comes in my head and it's angry at this person that says that provoked me by saying something, so if I it that thought comes up in my head says to respond to them angrily too that going back to that Epictetus quote I'm just complicit in the provocation on my response well you don't have to respond because that if you don't identify with these thoughts then and you realize that then I think you can practice what you preach a little bit better and better and better and then you can start to think okay that person inside my brain saying something I don't have to follow that Mm. Oh, here's my philosophy uh, from the inside out, and I could follow that instead in the situation. And then you just keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it. So it seems like the ex- it's like the external uh, adversity and challenges are are even internal as well, mm. and that's yeah. that's where spirituality comes in. I think where you. You have these thoughts, these visceral emotions that um, are deeply ingrained into us, and so we react immediately. But like those, those things kind of hype us up, and like remaining aware, remaining conscious in the face of this is is really what mindfulness is, is what spirituality is. So like yes, continuing like meditation is just that it's sitting and observing your thoughts but then meditating throughout the day you have a react emotional reaction a visceral reaction and observing that remaining conscious just awareness allowing that to come in and not reacting uh is that practice ends up being that practice is the practice of spirituality and of spiritual growth of yourself because then you just you build resilience just like you build resilience from a physical you go and you do a bench press and you you keep bench pressing and bench pressing you're going to keep building resilience and getting stronger and yada 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 same internally you face that external person who flips you off in the car uh, or flicks you off for the other chicagoans and (laughs) then you face that same you build that resilience 
and and so then in there's a few um spiritual folks that that kind of talk about this um michael singer wrote the book the untethered soul um he, he talks about going beyond and, and so when you approach the, we talk about these edges and he says like when you approach these edges you feel insecurity you feel jealousy fear self-consciousness and then you pull back and if you're like most people you stop trying and he says that spirituality begins when you decide that you'll never stop trying it's the commitment to go beyond no matter what it takes it's an infinite journey based upon going beyond yourself every minute of every day for the rest of your life um if you're truly going beyond you're always at your limits you're never back in the comfort zone a spiritual being feels as though they are always against the edge and they're constantly being pushed through it uh that is a, a daily reminder for my for myself every single day it's like this is a every hour every minute a workout mm. a cold shower uh sitting down and not procrastinating with work mm. reading a book do, doing things that are are a kind of a delayed gratification instead of instant gratification and then all the spiritual things of um things that irritate me uh another spiritual person uh ramdas says that he quotes i quote quote him at i think that the work is on oneself and if you are doing if you are doing things that irritate me or that don't treat my needs the way i would like them my inclination is to see that as my problem not yours so if i'm irritated by my dog or my wife it's like that is something that i need to to work through um mm -hmm. and that's really the the, the philosophy so <clears throat> going back to like microaggressions uh etc like you we're never going to be able to protect ourselves from all of the the things that upset us or irritate us or um hurt our feelings like the, it's it's a matter of not allowing that person to provoke you um and just trying to observe that and and again this is a it's a hard to practice what you preach and it's 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 a long journey. This is this is like like Michael Singer said. This is an infinite journey uh, mm. of just going beyond every day. Yeah. No, that's good. S Singer was also there's a quote he was just talking about how that uh, he was talking in, in the quote he's just saying generally using your will you'll you're resisting one of two things that which has already happened happened or or that which hasn't happened yet you're you know mm -hmm. something in the future in the past so you're sitting inside resisting things from the past or thoughts about the future and he just talks about how think about how much energy is wasted resisting what has already happened since the event has already passed you're actually struggling with yourself not the event and uh and he just talks about how much energy we waste on all these things that aren't even they're not in the present moment you know they're not they're not happening right now so mm -hmm. it's like we all we're take using so much unnecessary energy uh thinking how to respond to our significant other at, you know the next time or or our boss or our customer or, or whatever it is 
but I, I think it, that quote from Ron Das, I, I think, nails it. Just like he, he, he has a quote also, is, when you know how to listen, everyone is the guru. To me, that's just like, no matter what happens in life externally, that that is, they are the guru to me. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, I, I have something to learn about myself, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's not their fault. They, everyone has their own internal stuff going on. It's how can I, what can I learn from it from that guru? Mm-hmm. Everything there's, there's always something. There's a teacher. Everything as a teacher is a good uh, kind of sub philosophy of of this, of this where it's. Um, the, 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 the practice is like seeing that microaggression or seeing that um, need to have a safe space as an opportunity for, for growth. It's like, um, for, for one, like perception is, is, a, is a big problem in this where uh, there's a mental model you and I follow around Hanlon's razor where it's assume assume ignorance or assume uh, something positive instead of uh, something negative. Mm -hmm. So like always assume the best in someone instead of the worst in someone Mm -hmm. is a good philosophy to follow because usually you misperceived it or you misinterpreted it nine times out of ten that Mm -hmm. it's a misinterpretation and it's just your mind at work uh, causing those problems. And so... um, there's there's even studies that that show like what this mindset of like being optimistic, looking at things positively, like our our normal reaction is is to be cynical or to look at something negatively or pessimistically, but flipping those and looking at them as opportunities or and optimistically is could make you live seven and a half years on average longer mm-hmm. the yale researchers they quizzed 660 people on their attitudes about aging around where they, they thought aging is, is something that makes them less useful and less able to enjoy life they followed up 20 years later and those who had the most positive attitudes about aging lived seven and a half years longer That's rather bad. than those with a negative attitude mm-hmm. it's insane um, another study like there's a lot of these studies were another one in europe 999 people um, they found that those who had the most optimistic attitudes had a 77% lower risk of death from heart disease and 45% lower risk wow. of death from all cause, all wow. causes. And it's, and it's like, because the energy that's consumed that you talked about when we get provoked by something, um, when something hurts our feelings and we go down this path, is um, it, it causes so many... Uh, um, negative emotions that it, it it deteriorates our life causes inflammation and and it's just not good for us and they've even shown thoughts can epigenetically can affect our genes just our thoughts having those positive thoughts or negative thought can turn genes on like negative genes cancers or, or what or the like or turn genes off like say cancers just by expressing a thought and they uh, joe dispenza talks about it in his books and it's been proved down that level so i think that's where it starts if we were wrapping it up here 
you know, you, like you, you have a philosophy that you try to follow and then you try and practice it daily, mm-hmm. not even daily, like you said, hourly or mm-hmm. every moment mm-hmm. you're trying to practice it. We, we talked our, about our significant others a couple times. If you live with a person, it doesn't matter who it is, you're going to get into it with them. You're going to get agitated, irritated. Uh, road rage, you're always going to get irritated at other folks. Like If you can practice it by having a positive outlook, not making assumptions about the other person, about what they're feeling or whatever, and, and, and then not responding. And then then same thing goes with your internal your internal challenges of oh the thought comes up rather than identifying with that thought that thought is not you remember so if you can take those two things and then and then just keep practicing day in day out day in and day out then you would get a little bit better because i i've noticed mm-hmm. even myself i'm 10 times better or probably 100 times better than i was even you know just 15 years ago in college you know, or and, and especially before that. So I think it's just all about, you know, continuing to practice. For me, it was learning about these uh, philosophers and learning about the philosophy. And then once I learned it and then studied it, studied it, you know, some of Ryan Holiday's books about the sto- about Stoicism were some of the ones that really turned me on to it. Uh, Obstacles the way, ego is the enemy, those types, and and then he and it referred me back to him, and then some meditation, and um, that was helped me really understand my internal thoughts, and then you apply those two throughout. Hopefully, I'll teach my son if you can hear him in the background. Maybe one day, uh, uh, some of these clinical psychologists like they they follow the same path like if you come in and you have these problems and you're facing all these like external issues and you're talking about them and you're you have depression etc or you have like deep trauma from the past that you're holding on to it's like what they do is they they um they help us face them through therapy and they they help us dissect what has happened to us they dissect dissect our suffering help us attain like a different perspective that helps us allows us to respond going uh, better going forward, mm-hmm. and so the, you're essentially being a clinical psychologist of yourself. Mm. Don't throw out the clinical psychologist, of course, but like uh, this is this is be be comfortable that you're like you're following a philosophy that like even uh, psychologists and psychiatrists follow. Um, mm. So I. I think that's why Socrates said a life unexamined isn't worth living, because mm-hmm. you know similar to what you just said, it's like you need to examine yourself like a psychologist, and that's how you know also see a psychologist or, mm-hmm. or talk to a therapist because mm-hmm. that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. They'll give you a perspective you don't you couldn't see even with all this daily practice. Mm-hmm. So then, I guess to to end back on the quote is, is from Marcus Aurelius is that you have power of your mind, not outside events. Realize this, and you'll find strength. And then there's one more I actually want to mention here from Viktor Frankl that's very very similar that we can. And he says Viktor Frankl, great book, Man Search for Meaning. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing: the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. Thank you, folks. Thanks.